in and out of your consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from. This is the Nightmare Junkhead Podcast, recording live here at the Vendor Loft at the Panic Film Festival, Screenland Armor here in Kansas City. This is one of those, like, a special episode of, like... This is on location, man. This is out of Nirvana. This is actually us out and about in society here. It's kind of nice. On our own table, nonetheless. On our own vendor table. I I know. know. Isn't that dope? We've got the Nightmare Junkhead uh, front up there. Mm -hmm. You know, Nerds of Nostalgia hosted by... It's kind of nice, man. I feel (laughs) legit. (laughs) Yeah, me too. I feel all fancy schmancy. It's fantastic. So, yeah, this is Friday night. We just screened the Cabin Fever remake, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. Kansas City, come to Panic Fest. Plenty of fun things for you. You, you've got an audience here, you know, and you, you know, they're just going to be like flicking money at you soon. Just saying, you know, Bane, Cosby, uh, you know, what coming else? Up, coming up to the stage, Cosby, he works for your tips and your tips only, ladies and gentlemen. But we've got a lot of stuff going on this weekend here, and obviously we're hosting a few of the films. We're going to have some Q and A's with some of the writers and directors. In fact, I know that we just got actually finished talking with the uh, director of Everlasting, mm-hmm. who we're going to be having on the podcast as well. We're going to host a Q&A after the screening there. And then we'll also have our live podcast recording on yeah. Saturday as well. There's going to be, a, we're going to have the live podcasting, we're going to be hosting, we're going to do like a podcast Thunderdome too with all mm-hmm. the other Boom Howdy the Boom Howdy folks. And there's going to be a certain movie with a certain co-host in there per se. Yeah, I know. We've talked a little bit about that before on the podcast before, but yeah, this is actually the, this is everything coming together right now. Yeah. And the way this is going to work is the way I plan on releasing this is we're going to be giving you snippets here all in one episode. Or we mm-hmm. may even break it up into two episodes, kind of depending on the content we get. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited for this. Uh, this oh, is going to be. We've been waiting for this for a long time now. And we've already had a good turnout so far. Yeah, even so far. For a Friday evening. Um, they, we just, like I said, we just screamed Cabin Fever. They're getting ready to scream um, the. Which is the one with Catherine Isabel? Uh, it is called Girl in the Photograph. The Girl in the Photograph. Which was produced by Wes Craven right before he passed the away. The last thing he did, yep. So unfortunately we're missing that, but we'll get word of mouth. We're going to talk to a lot of people, see what they're thinking. And this is a good, hectic floor right now. We've got a lot of good vendors. Oh, there's either I've already claimed a few things. Uh, now, did you nab the Creep Show 2 poster? I did. I, I said, okay, at Sunday I will buy it. Uh, today's my looking day, and hopefully, you know, I'm a vendor table too, so you want to put that to the side, you know? So. Well, you know, scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Right. That's the way it works here. Right, but no, right. this is going to be a lot of fun, you guys, this weekend here at Panic I mean, Film Festival. Rotten Reynolds has got a big booth, dude. There's a lot of cool shit at Tim's Our table. Our buddies at Forever yeah. Bogus got a great uh, setup there. We've yep. got... Um, um, we've got Monsters Are Good right next mm-hmm. to us. Um, then there's Werewolf Princess. And then there's um, Terrible Tim Sweeten with the Drive-In Movie Maniacs is here. It's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. man. There's a lot of things going on. Hey, what's up, girl? Oh, we're getting a live hug here uh, on. Yeah, you got to love that. Right. Kelly from the Netflix and Chill podcast actually yes. coming in. Then, if you would like to, hello guys. Oh, see, we need oh, the dulcet tones of a female on this podcast. Wow. So much of a sausage fest, sadly. We need that little slice of estrogen there. It's good, uh, but we'll be yeah, buddy. We'll be coming in and out of the uh, of the the Panic Film Fest all throughout Saturday. We're going to be recording all day long. We're going to mm-hmm. have a lot of people on, and ideally, we're going to get. You know the 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 Peep, the, 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 bloy, the masses absolutely the, because yeah. they're the reason we are here. Yeah, you know we are here to entertain uh, to. You know, provoke some thoughts, ideally. Titillate. And, and infuriate. You know, yeah. if the genius is on this game, which I know he will be. <laughs> I'm surprised more people didn't boo me after that whole, like, uh, Walter White or uh, Walt Jr. Oh, Walt pancake the, thing. But, Dad, it's tradition. Pancake. 
dad. It was actually kind of great, though, because when we were kind of putting everything together, I see Genius, he kind of motions for me to come over, and, I'm, and he's talking with someone. He's like, oh, hey, you know, this is, was it, was it? Um, Liz. Liz. Liz from the Alamo. Who, and if you've heard the podcast <clears throat> before, you know the infamy of uh, Wolf, Wolf Cop. Cop. And, and that's where this was. This is the one, like, one-year anniversary This of is the one-year anniversary yeah. of Wolf Cop. And unfortunately, like some bad PTSD thing, <laughs> Genius is immediately like, hey, this is Liz, and she, uh, yeah, she was the Wolf Cop lady. Wolf Cop lady. <laughs> Wolf Cop. <laughs> That's that's a, that's a whole different story. That's Panic right? Film Fest After Dark, I <laughs> right, think. Yeah. Unfortunately, we're not quite there Wolf yet. Wolfcock, boo. <laughs> Dropping the mic. <laughs> but this is, uh, we've obviously got some traditions going on here. We're mm-hmm. carrying them on. This has yeah. been a blast so far. I'm looking forward to it. I know I'm going to end up buying a lot of things I don't necessarily need, but, you know, ultimately I, know. I do. That's the problem. That's the great thing about stuff like this. And you know what the cool thing about it is? The majority of these vendors are all Kansas City yeah. vendors, You know, which you, is you know you're, you're buying local, yeah. which is always good, right? Yeah, most definitely. Uh, but, yeah, this is going to be a lot of fun. Looking forward to it. So we will be chiming in and out. And so until then, we will see you here in a bit keep panicking hello darling this is elvira mistress of the dark and you're listening to the nightmare junkhead podcast what all right gang we are back here at the vendor loft at the panic film festival here at the screenland armor bright and early day two day two everyone recovering here it's uh we're kind of getting everyone just filing in one Mm -hmm. by one here after uh, last night's debauchery or in some of our cases, we're old and we have to retire pre- early. <laughs> or our pregame debauchery. Yes, yes. you got to start early here at the Panic Film yep, Festival. Yep. Uh, but already, day one, we've had some good stuff going on. Mm-hmm. We uh, premiered three films last night, one of which we are going to be very fortunate here. We actually are going to be talking with the writer, director, and editor of... Um, and I will get to you guys here in just a second here. But, yeah, this is one of the things that we're excited to do, uh, especially, you know, podcasting here at our little vendor table, which yeah. is nice. For the first time, uh, it really gives us the opportunity to meet you guys. Uh, but yeah, you guys uh, screened last night. I am talking about 2015's Everlasting. We're joined by the writer and director, uh, Anthony Stabley. Anthony, how are you? I'm doing great. I love being here at Panic Fest. I love the Armor Theater. It's a great venue. Thank you for having us. Of course, thank you. Thank you. And of course, you know, you can't have a good movie without good editing. Honestly, you know, who was Tarantino without his Sally Menke? Uh, anything along those lines. So we do have the editor of Everlasting, Brian Colvin. How are you? Good. Glad to be here. Thank you for taking the time out, you guys. So, uh, like we always do with all of our guests, uh, do you have any other uh, social, you know, where can our listeners find you out on the social media, Twitterville? Uh, yeah, you can see us. Uh, we're on Twitter at Supergrande. This is a Supergrande Films production. So, that's a great way to connect with us. We're also on Facebook. So, you can go to Facebook slash Everlasting A Movie. That's a great way. And then our site, our main site is www.everlastingamovie.com. Excellent, excellent. So tell us a little bit about Everlasting. Well, Everlasting is a um, mystery romance. It's got some horror elements, uh, also thriller elements. It's a story about a high school student who travels from Colorado down to Los Angeles to find out what happened to his girlfriend who was murdered. Um, The film is told in a nonlinear fashion, so we see these beautiful moments in their life, which are very, very important. Uh, we also see the circumstances that led to her death, and then there is a final confrontation with the, with the person that was responsible for that. And I think the thing that we talked about a bit last night is that this film focuses on the victim in a really beautiful manner. And I think when we do that, the audience becomes emotionally engaged. And that was a big part of the success so far with our film. Yeah, you, you begin to... 
you see her journey and it's very cool that she's not just another victim you actually see what it brings up to her into her life before this terrible thing happens so, so as the writer of this where did the uh, like the origin of this story come from yeah, I, I think there's a mixture here. You know, uh, I went to Mexico City back in 2000. I started making some short films there. I love Mexico City. Uh, and I, I made a short called La Carta. It was in Spanish. And it was almost like a love letter to this woman, you know, and just sort of like uh, that process of appreciation. Okay. So then I did, a, I put together another uh, short that was based, uh, that had to do with the underbelly of Hollywood. It was called electronica so i think if you take those two take some life experiences that we've all had met some sort of dubious people (laughs) the best kind of course yeah exactly and then you mix it up you know and uh there was a lot of just personal stuff too you know uh that's how we made everlasting well then how did you and brian meet up brian how were how were you introduced to this gentleman Uh over here uh, I was actually introduced through, uh, I was working on another movie, Blackbird, is my first feature, and uh, the production designer of that actually works with Anthony as their art director a lot, and so I became available, and then there, uh, we had two editors on Everlasting, by the way, so Brad McLaughlin is the other one. McLaughlin. Uh, McLaughlin. <laughs> McLaughlin. McLaughlin. Yeah. He's quite talented. He was the assistant <clears throat> editor on Oculus. Good one, actually. Yeah. Yeah, so he he got on. He just had some big jobs coming up, and uh, so we had to. You know, he needed another person to fill in, and just lucked out that uh, Candy was the one that recommended me. So nice, and yeah. we went through that, nice. and it just kind of clicked. And yeah. yeah, and it was a really fantastic uh, experience because Brad was able to assemble, put together the movie, uh, and establish. You know, like the sound design, which was really critical. Uh, some of the musical choices. Uh, and just gave us a really wonderful uh, framework, right? And then what was, you know, just so wonderful for our show was that Brian came in and did the detail work. And he comes from musical background, so he was able to really uh, emphasize the, the sound, you know. We worked on some montages. He's also very artful, so, you know, we were very color-specific in this movie. And as you saw that, we talked a little bit about that. Um, as we talked about it, it's, it's, it was very cool to see how when the protagonist was with his girl, how everything was uh, yellow and bright and happy. And then when he went on the hunt, everything for the murder, everything was just dark and cold and blue. And so it, it spoke well on what his emotional state was. And I thought that was a very unique choices on that. Well, I really appreciate that. The, you know, another color that we sort of worked with was red. You know, we left that for the killer. And you see that in a repetitive image in the movie. And then uh, we, uh, you know, you feel that, you know. And and we also connected Orange with her website and also the ending of the movie. So that's the warmest you can be. And sometimes, you know, like we're talking about here, a lot of people don't talk about that. But as audiences watching it, when you're working on, a, when you're presenting a movie that's nonlinear, it really helps the audience follow up. Mm-hmm. They have to stay engaged with it. Yeah. Well, it's interesting, though, just in terms of the emphasis on color and so forth, is people forget that, you know, filmmaking is first and foremost a visual storytelling medium. You know, it's we get caught up a lot in dialogue <laughs> and so forth. So if it doesn't present itself, that st- those striking visuals, you can lose an audience right away. It's so true. And uh, just, you know, we sh- uh, as much as we talk about uh, colors and nonlinear and sometimes like that, right, it's a story is so important. It's the performances mm-hmm. of Valentina DeAngelis as... Jesse, you know, it's a very vibrant performance. You know, it's also uh, very uh, bold and daring, you know, for her. 
and brave, you know, because you have to be true when you're crying, all these things. I mean, real emotions, you know, this isn't like fake stuff. And then the same for Adam, you know, he was our, our protagonist. He plays Matt and he had to be strong and steady. You know. How do you approach actors with that kind of a, when you need that kind of performance out of them? You know, do you have any particular methods or anything along those lines? Cattle prods. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I would say uh, that's exactly. That's no, uh, you know, I think the, the big plus is always that we were very uh, we had this uh, casting process with Shannon McCann and we had over 2000 submissions for these two lo- two roles, you know, and so when you finalize uh the lead actress and then you have these chemistry reads with the other uh the other lead then you kind of know you know and if you if you uh cast properly you're in good shape for the movie that's very true and you know most of the filmmakers we talk to they say you know we're only as good as the people we work with and that you know it's the totality it's the actors behind the scenes the editing and so forth um have you are you trying to put together kind of a consistent crew in terms of the people you work with at this point or is it just kind of a no, I think, uh, you know, I'm really happy with uh, our editing. Uh, you know, Brad and uh, Brian were just so fantastic. John and I have worked uh, on a couple of movies. He was our DP, John Bickford, you know. Uh, I love our actors. Uh, Elizabeth Rome is, you know, she's outstanding. She's so supportive of the movie. Pat Healy is just, you know, Pat Healy. And uh, and then we have, you know, all of those people, Bai Ling, Robert Lasardo. I'm in contact constantly, and and even, you know, I don't know if you know this, we had a lot of other folks, like Courtney Palm was in our movie. She mm-hmm. was in, uh, you know, Sushi Girl. Zombievers. Yeah. Oh, she, a friend of the podcast, uh, Misty Dawn, is in the process of making a little short film called Hooker, Hooker Assassin, Assassin that has there Courtney you, Palm in it. Oh, nice. Well, go. then when, we, when I went through your the, the, the cast list, I mean, it was like a cult film callback, you know, in terms of all these actors that you guys were able to work with. But then you also had these big actors, but then the two main actors, like I was telling you earlier... Their speech, their the way they talked, the way what they said, it felt genuine, like a teenager how they would speak. And like you were saying, getting the acting right, that was it was pretty good. They felt like they felt like kids. You yeah, know? I, I really appreciate that because it takes time to write properly. And again, I, I sort of mentioned this last night. You know, it was such an intense film for us emotionally that you know, for me, I could I would write for you know a day or two and then have to stop. You know, because, like, when we say we're making a movie that's sort of not real and not based on reality, it's easy to just not really feel it. But when you have these emotions, people crying, you know, and feeling for somebody that they really care, like if it's, you know, you're a sister or a daughter or mom, whoever, you really feel that. And for me, I, wrote, I, I would be writing this at 3 in the morning, whatever, and I have to just stop, you know, because I have to just stop. And then I get a little more strength and keep writing. Now, there was, um, you hear a lot of stories about uh, teenagers who run off to Hollywood and they're never seen from again. Uh, when you were writing this, was there a certain story that was like an inspiration or certain maybe life experiences that was an inspiration? Or what was the main um, precipice, if you will, of the story? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things. I think we all read the news. You know, we see these stories about young kids that, you know, they go to a concert and then the next thing you know, they, they step outside and then they, they're, they're lost. We don't see them. And now the parents are putting together a website to find out what happened to them. OK. And then we have other influences like all of us. We just love cinema, you know. So I would just say, you know, maybe there were some movies back back long ago. There was a movie called Hardcore. And it was. Uh, Is that a George C. Scott? Yeah. It's a oh, really yeah. fascinating film. And maybe some of that was, you know, crept into my psyche. You know, but it's a Paul Schrader film. Mm-hmm. You know, Paul Schrader wrote Taxi Driver, 
and it's a fascinating story about a girl running away and the father trying to find her. So take a, revisit that if you get a chance. It's a, it's a good one to double feature with uh, that and 8mm, I think, uh, you know, yeah. just in terms of the seedy underbelly of what happens. You want to be a star, don't you? Exactly, that nasty <laughs> stuff. Uh, but we talked about filmmaking as the visual medium, and I think, obviously, in terms of the editing process, I um, talked to Anthony regarding his methodology. Do you kind of have the same thing? How do you approach each kind of um, project? You know, do you have a specific thing that you go in mind, or does it depend on the project? It depends on the project, and uh, the answer is always story first, and then you go backwards technically beyond that you try to go like story and character and connecting it with the audience and then hopefully it's in focus then hopefully the you know the framing is good it's that's kind of the order for me okay um you know beyond that it's just uh if, when you're structuring structuring the non-linear format it just it was just a lot of experimenting to get it right sometimes index floor you know index cards on the floor to figure out the order and, you know, a couple test screenings, and finally we got it into a place where it was, like, playing well. So. Nice. Do you guys work pretty closely when it comes to that? Yeah, really In close. terms of the editing project yeah. process? We're, like, yeah. there together the whole time. The whole so. time we're together. And then uh, we talk about it, and we say, oh, we need something to help us out with this transition. You know, it was so much fun. We went on a one-day uh, reshoot, and Brian actually shot a lot of the stuff, you know. So sometimes you'll see, oh, the, we have this vista, and it's... Uh, sort of in the present time but now how do we connect that with uh, what's going on right now and then we do a close up and we shot that you know up in Laurel Canyon but this took place in Red Rock you know or uh, just lots of little details like that you know it was really great Nice. now this movie goes a lot of places I mean literally you're in Colorado and then you're in Vegas and then you're in LA and you're all over and then you're back to Colorado and Vegas and LA how much um, film did you have to edit through? I mean, how much was there? Like, is there like um, a, if there's ever like an, an unedited director's cut? Is it like right. twenty eight hours long? Or? Uh, I don't think it was that. Uh, it wasn't that thick on length so much. It was, I mean, because how many takes do you think you had on a lot of this stuff? I can't, I'm trying to remember. I mean, most takes, you know, because we're so fortunate, it's different now, right? So we would have maybe five or six takes, you know, um, and then other times, you know, something is just so important. Right. We all know that. So when we have a, a scene towards the end uh, for her, you know, it sort of wraps up the whole movie. That was critical. We also had a lot of fun shooting some serial killer montages. Remember all <laughs> yeah. that? So you saw that, yeah. you know, and that's so much fun. Love that. So you guys have been riding pretty high on the festival circuit right now. What has the response been? Uh, it's been fantastic. You know, we premiered in London. That was a really uh, important thing for us. Uh, we were uh, warmly embraced there. Uh, it, the the film was shown in this uh, turn of the century hall. It was so That's wonderful, cool. uh, and then the, they gave us a best feature nomination for that. So we were just thrilled with that, right? And then we were just uh, so happy to be here in Kansas City. We had our barbecue. In our got beers. a checklist of that, yeah, of course. Yeah. It was delicious, delicious, and wonderful people. And we saw all the vendors. We love this venue. I think it's a really great setup, and we're just so pleased that you're here, too, to help us support the film. And then the other thing is, like, in about a week or so, we'll head over to North Carolina, to Durham, and we're going to the Nevermore Film Festival there. They've, they've been doing this for 17 years. And they gave us a jury award for best feature over there. So we're Congratulations. That's Thank fantastic. You. Yeah. We're really happy about that. Now, we talked about some of the big-name stars that you have in this movie, like Pat Healy, Bai Ling, and... Um there was some. There was some other people that you wanted that were in the, and also uh, you had some. And you talked about music, so you had some Crystal Castles in there. How did all this come about? 
you know, it's just so much. It's so fantastic. Again, like Brad McLaughlin, he set the tone for a lot of the music. Uh, you know, uh, there was a group, Cold Cave, that was uh, headlining for uh, Nine Inch Nails, you know. And then I think Crystal Castles was a, a great companion to that, you know, that just uh, when you look at the vibe. And so um, we had a Sean Fernald, who is our music supervisor, making contact with these people. And we talked about this last night. Uh, there's a point, uh, you know, just for all artists that you just have to push. Okay. So Sean was trying to get contact with Crystal Castles and uh, nothing was happening. And we kept at it and kept at it. And, uh, and now we're running out of time because we want to show the movie. And uh, so then I stayed up all night long writing these letters, just like, I got to get this letter. I got to tell them, explain to them, I've been doing this for four years to get this movie out. It's a heartfelt film. I think it's really beautiful. And uh, then we sent those letters out to all these, uh, you know, their websites, their management and everything. And next morning, you know, I get these emails, you know, and they're like, let's talk. Let's do this. Let's, you know. And I think for all artists, like all of us, right, we just have to keep pushing forward. Maintain that momentum. There's oh, no yeah. doubt about it. So, what is? Go, go ahead. Genius. What's next for you guys? Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, for me, I'm actually editing uh, three movies right now, uh, <laughs> so it's kind of busy. Uh, you did have that thousand yard stare. <laughs> you yeah, know, there in was the a eyes pause. Right yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, a, oh god. Yeah, it's just like three that have start and stop funding, so I'm kind of bouncing between them, and then after that. Uh, you know, just looking for the next big movie, the next big project to try to keep uh, telling better and better stories. And, and how and much of it is that, in terms of from where you started to where you are now, are you happy with how you've progressed? Definitely. I've uh, been pretty fortunate to, like, dive into a lot of different format, um, genre types. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, like, the first one was, like, more drama, and then there's this movie, and then the other ones are, like, one of them's got, like, demonic possession, and the other <laughs> one has, like, it's like a... <laughs> Uh, you know, a Russian guy coming to America. There's a lot of different things, so it's been really fun. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, good to have those palate cleansers every now and again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Excellent. How about you, Anthony? Uh, you know, we're uh, hoping to put together an L.A. premiere in March. Uh, that's a big thing. And then uh, uh, contacting or matching up well with a sales rep that we like. Uh, so that will be that. Then I'll probably go off in production design because that's, what I, that's my uh, work that I do. And I'll try to uh, do something that uh, I can go on for a few months that, you know, because this has taken up a lot of my life. Uh, and then I've already written a couple of screenplays. Uh, so I have this one script that I like. It's called Bloody Famous. So it's pretty intense. Uh, and I have a couple, two other ones. So we'll just see what, you know, again, like we have intentions, but sometimes like those screenplays become a reality based on the matchups with producers and people and actors and people like that that really, uh, you know, uh, embrace them. And there's that whole entire process, underworld culture, that mm-hmm. exists behind, you know, the films that we enjoy. And that's why we like having you guys come on, so we can get some of that behind-the-scenes. Behind-the-curtain type Yeah, thing. because, you know, because mm-hmm. of the fact that it's such a labor of love that, you know, sometimes you don't necessarily get back what you put in, but it doesn't matter because you love it. I feel like we are gonna we're already getting back what we put in and I feel like we will uh, you know we'll certainly take care of all of our financial needs and uh, this is going to be a great business card for all of us it's fantastic well again I want to thank you guys for taking the time to talk with us where if people want to find out more about everlasting where can they go uh, again I think that uh, they can go to everlastingamovie.com that's a, a great place I think you can go to uh, Twitter uh, at supergrande. And then finally, at Facebook, you can go to Facebook slash 
Everlasting A Movie. Excellent, excellent. Well, Brian, Anthony, thank you guys for taking the time to chat with us. And again, we look forward to, you know, open invite at this point on the show. Whenever you have anything to promote, you'd like to sit and talk, please let us know. We uh, can do this via Skype. So it's... uh, Okay, well, that's fantastic. We really appreciate the support. Of course, of course. So we will be coming back here, guys. Uh, Another update here. Some more panic, some more fest, some more panic fest. We'll see you then. Hey, this is PJ Souls, and you are totally listening to Nightmare Junkhead. Woo! Keep listening. We are back again here at the Vendorloft here at the Panic Film Festival. Yes. Just finished screening the short film showcase, mm-hmm. which was phenomenal. Oh, they were all really, really good, and they're all so different, which there made was it really, a really hard. good group, diverse films. There was some funny, there was some scary, there's some gory, mm-hmm. uh, very well represented. Yes. Not a stinker in the bunch, no, man. which was <laughs> like, awesome. The, and well, let's face it, you know, we've been to a few of these, and sometimes there's listen, we yeah. will never poo poo on anyone's work if they are making the work. They're already ten times better than us, right? You know, but we can always, you know, sit back and objectively say, ah, oh, some work better than the others. But man, this one was so quality and consistent. Very, very good work from and we everyone. had some first timers to some mm-hmm. veterans in here. Uh-huh. And speaking of veterans, speaking of veterans, oh, uh, we're really honored right now to have the person we're about to talk to. Tell us a little bit about you, you this make person. Me feel, there, you make me feel old when you refer to me as a veteran. A ve- oh, no, no. I, I, I meant a qualified <laughs> professional. I just, I just turned 36, so now I feel really old. Oh, trust old. me. You're, you're the young man on the podcast right <laughs> now. So. At least it's not like Civil War veteran. Yeah, like, you're a good Jimmy Bank in my day, the Yankees. Do I, do I get discounts now? That's what that We're going to go to Denny's here at 4 o'clock. Oh, so. thank your AARP card is coming. <laughs> but you have uh, seen his work. Uh, he is a writer, director. Uh, you've seen his uh, feature film was... Nailbiter. Nailbiter, which is also... Chiller. Fe- Chiller Network. Uh, he has actually uh, put in material in the short film showcase before. His feature this time was Pillow Fright, which was one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the podcast for the first time, Patrick Ray. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming Glad on, to man. Be here. Taking the time out on this. Uh, so before we get into everything, uh, tell our listeners, where can they find you out on the social media? Well, I mean, if you just look up Patrick Ray on Facebook, and then I think it's Patrick M. Ray on Twitter. Um, is my Twitter name. So. The handle, handle, whatever they, right, whatever the right, kids whatever call, they call it. it. Yeah, we I don't know, know we're so old. Um, and uh, yeah, so you know, like like you said, my feature film is on Chiller right now, and it's been it's on you can get it on Amazon and, and uh, iTunes and all those things. Um, and then, uh, yeah, my short films are kind of they're kind of in different pockets right now. Like I've got, I had a short film that was recently released on uh, a compilation called The Invoking Two. I didn't see The Invoking One. I feel bad. <laughs> Missed out on the <laughs> but, but they put it in the red box. They put it in the red box, and it was a That's short film huge. that I yeah. So it was cool to see that. And then um, yeah, so and then Pillow Fright is one of my more recent short films that I've just completed. So, but you have such a distinct style but such a diverse catalog you know uh the noir sci-fi one um the more the the very hilarious uh girl scout one uh counterparts which is very tales from the cryptian uh such diverse but yet such really unique you it's very awesome thank you thank you no yeah what are you drawing your influences from because of the diverse work you you know it's one of those things where like i just have a really i'd I'd like to think that i I have a sense of humor about life i just find everything kind of amusing even though if even when it's dark i make inappropriate jokes and so Uh, i'm always like i'm always finding you're in good company yeah so i I like to find like you know a a dark twist to things and you know with like for instance get off my porch which is um Ironically, the the lead Girl Scout is now um, the lead the lead actress on that show Shadowhunters. That's on uh, really Freeform, the redhead. That's yeah. the, my main Girl Scout in Get Off My Porch. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, yeah. So she's kind of like just kind of catapulted. 
Um, but, uh, you know, I, it's, it's kind of like that film is about a guy being harassed by Girl Scouts trying to sell him cookies. And he's like, you know, and these Girl Scouts are kind of not necessarily human. And, uh, you know, taking something that seems kind of ordinary and adding a little bit of a, of a dark spin on it, I guess. The same thing with Pillow Fright, where it's like yeah, these inanimate objects. I'm know. an advocate for pillow rights myself, right. so this that film really spoke to me. But honestly, I knew there was always a prize for those thin mints. You know, they were just too good right, right. not the thin to. Mints, you know. Yeah, and if you see Get Off My Porch, you see that like everybody starts eating them and they turn into zombies, except for this one guy who's like refusing to buy them. And so it's, it's yeah, <laughs> maybe it's it's kind of a commercialism commentary that I, you know. And I, I'll just say yes, it is. No, 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 no. That wasn't that was no happy accident. Right, we know right, that was right. all you know primer on right, that right. one. So yeah, no, a lot of my short films um, are getting picked up now uh, i just signed a license agreement on some of my short films non-exclusive license so they're going to be on more dvds coming out and congratulations like, walmart man. and stuff like that but some of them are my older films and being like kind of like that you know insecure filmmaker thing you're like oh this movie i made almost 10 years ago do i really want to re- release, release it, to them? it but at the same time you just have to just have to go with the flow and some of those still hold up really well so you just have to kind of well, I would say for the completist out there, they it's it's kind of nice to see how your work has progressed. Right. You know, right. even and regardless, even if it's your first film, it's still a, a feature film, a short, what have you, that's released, that's out there. Right. Right. That you have made, you have done. Yeah. Exactly. And that's the biggest thing on this podcast. We appreciate people that are out there doing. Right. And yeah. you're making, and you're making really well too. Right. And right. I'm going to speak personal from a personal experience. I'm a big fan of your work. Aww. I Aww. really, really am. I appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> I went through some of the old back, uh, some of the old shorts and. Uh, and they were really, really, really well, good. Yeah, and that's what I'm hoping that maybe when people see some of the ones I did in 2008 or something like that, they're like, they still think they hold up. They could have been made now, I guess. You mm-hmm. know, and that's a good thing about short films is that they're kind of timeless, unless of course you you know shot one in the 70s. <laughs> it, it, they're timeless. You know, they 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 don't age as quickly as. And I think that's why a lot of these uh, distributors now are picking up a lot of short films because they've been out on the circuit, and then they just kind of linger and they don't go anywhere. Right. And I think now. Like, today, you see, like, there's a good crowd of people who want to see short films. And so, I mean, now more than ever, there's there's a different venues. I've got a, a short film that's going to be playing in a couple of weeks on Shorts HD, which is a, a channel that, um, if you guess, if you have, like... Yeah, uh, it's on DirecTV. DirecTV. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, so I've got one of my, my dramatic shorts is going to be pr- premiering on, on there. So it's like, yeah, there's, like, these different venues where short films don't have to just go into your your sock drawer anymore <laughs> i mean that was always for me like at, at film school i was like okay because i went to ku and i made a couple short films in, in in film school that ended up um i promoted them in film festivals and i look at them now and i'm just like ugh, ugh. and they ended up getting picked up on the fangoria blood drive the very first fangoria, the very first one very first one so i have two short films i made in college on that on that dvd and i'm just i i i, I get kind of i don't red-faced when i think about it but at the same time i'm like you know i wanted to take some of my I didn't want to just like take my student work and then just put it on the shelf or just show my my parents and say look what I did right <laughs> school so there were, it was nice to get those out there even though they're you know not so good but you know you got to start somewhere and I always tell people um, you know you just have to get out there and now my, my, my biggest fan is joining us on the podcast hey, I know that we were my just daughter, talking about my daughter her. just Hi, what's your, hey, wow, you got a Hello Kitty tattoo? Uh-oh, they That's, start young now, man, I'm telling you. That's awesome. She, uh, she's been on, she was on the entire Pillow Fright shoot. <gasps> Inspiration, From perhaps? start to finish, yeah. She, yeah. She's been on the last couple couple uh, shoots that I've done, and she's been, she's, she's gotten used to, now she calls action, so she wants to be the boss. Do you want to say hi on the mic? Do you want to say hi? You want to talk on the mic and say hello and say action? 
She now she's shy. This she's, is uh, this is a rare moment, guys. There's no cameras. She doesn't need to perform. Come on now, you she's know. Like, are you guys uh, talking about me? She, she knows what's going hey, on. Do you want a sticker? It's got it's got a it's got a Darth Vader and a skeleton combined. <laughs> she loves Star Wars, but oh, way. that's you're starting um, them right, starting um, them right. So, but, what do you but, think? Well, actually, just what do you think drew you to the short film medium? Well, I mean, almost out of necessity, because I mean, I, when I got out of film school, I was making, I was just out there. It was kind of the the first period where you could get a digital camera and just start making stuff. And um, you know, I had shot a couple short films on sixteen millimeter and almost oh. like never recovered financially because of it's it. expensive. So, like, right. so it was like one of those things where I was like, okay, well, I want to keep making movies. Um, and the digital technology just got better and better and better, and which is funny because, like I said, my short films from 2008, the, the camera technology just from 2008 to now, it's just ridiculous how it's grown. Like, I mean, like, Isn't it kind of like with computers, though? The minute something was released, it's yeah, already outdated? Yeah, right, right. It's already antiquated by the time you start using it. Like, I just think about it. I'm like, oh, man. So I ended up shooting a lot of stuff right out of college, and I, I ended up taking a job at the TV studio in Lawrence part-time mm-hmm. where I met my wife, and I ended up working there for a while and, um, and just kept making stuff. Um, and so I ended up making uh, my feature film Nailbiter around – man, we started shooting that in 2009. That's how long ago that what, was. What is the, what's the process of like for a feature film versus you know, the components of a short film? Well, it's, it's a it's, – I always say short films are almost like a sprint, and you know features are like a marathon. So – with a short film, you're like, I got everybody for two days or three days, and I got to get this done in the can, you know, mm-hmm. because people have to go back to their either their day their jobs day or whatever. Um, with a feature, you're taking like, you know, a good extended period of time, a couple weeks, three weeks, maybe if you're lucky. I my last feature that I just, I just shot a, a new feature film in Charleston, South Carolina, and I was given 12 days to shoot the whole movie. Ooh. Oh my goodness! And it's almost finished. It's it's uh it's it's titled Enclosure, and it stars um, Fiona Dorif. And Jake Busey. Wow. Oh man! So you've already ramping up the creep factor there with right. the old Jake Busey. I love Jake that. Busey, who, yeah, his, I, I kept saying his teeth unto themselves are a character, <laughs> but but uh, um, he was great. Everybody's great. Um, so now we're we're in the color correction process on that movie, and then it's going to start eking out into festivals. I hopefully over the course of the year and and uh, start. Uh, I'm, I'm sure it'll probably have a distributor by the end of the year. I'm hoping. Hopefully what, earlier. What do you think is the biggest struggle right now in terms of, because I hear, I listen to a lot of podcasts and I hear a lot of filmmakers say, you know, back in 2008, it was a lot easier to get, you know, people with, you know, bring more money in for a budget. And yeah, now right. it's just, it's harder it was, to it bring. Was that, it was that, uh, that decline in the economy that, that really hurt a lot Did of people. It. And I know that when I was doing Nailbiter, I almost had the money around 2007, 2008. And then just literally I have an email from one distribution company or production company that was interested in doing the movie. And they said, "Yeah, the mist just came out in tank. Nobody wants to see monster movies. Sorry." Oh, and so my that was when I lost most of my funding for that in that period of time. And it was funny because right after that, Cloverfield came out, and people and, loved, and, and people loved it. And I'm like, "You guys, nobody knows anything." No, and right. I, I keep telling people that. I'm like, everybody's like, "Well, we have to make something that is, they're following Riding trends. a trend." Mm-hmm. And by the time you make the movie, the trend is over. So it's like, or the movie's released, the trend is over. So you just have to follow your gut, right? And, and um, so, <laughs> enclosure is enclosure is a thriller, but it also has a supernatural thriller. It has it has a creature element to it without giving too much away. Um, so um, that movie hopefully will be out soon. And then I want to start kind of. I've got a script for Nailbiter too. I just got to get awesome. people enthused about it, so I can get money for it. It's just that movie. The first one was so hard to make, just because we ended up shooting two thirds of it, and, re- and we ran out of money. 
So then we had to raise more money over the course of a year and come back with the cast a year later and pick up where we left off. And you'll never know where because literally it's like one actor just turns her head and we're like, I'm like, oh, we're in a different year. Wow. She doesn't look any different, you know. But thankfully, none of the actors decided to shave their heads or do anything crazy. Did you you document any of that? Because that actually almost sounds like it'd be almost more fascinating than the actual behind the scenes. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, I know. I wish I had done a better job of that. Um, I, you know, ultimately I was just so fixated on getting the actual movie made that sometimes like I just – some of that behind-the-scenes stuff I just let go. You had an actual priority. You know, I mean, right, it wasn't, right. there wasn't and, leisure time for that. Yeah, and I guess I can always just... I, I, I documented it in my mind <laughs> so I can tell people about it. I mean, it was a heck of a, of a, a process for that movie. And, and, uh, um, and then, you know, we, we ended up selling it in 2012, and it didn't get released until 2013. Um, and now it, it's been getting lots of play on TV, and so hopefully it's built up a, a fan base that wants a sequel. Yeah, and so I can get it done. Um, Start putting it out there, promotion, man. Yeah, you know, know. You, anytime you want to come on, and you know, yeah, hell, totally. we'll, we'll we'll set up a radio play. You know, yeah. a little theater of the mind. Yeah, you know, totally. And and yeah, no. So so you know, it's one of those things where um, between feature films, because feature films just take such a long time to make. I like to make short films, sure. a lot of short yeah. films, and I just did one. Um, Crypt TV uh, just financed one of my short films, um, and since it's a two minute short film called uh, Hoot. And you can, it's about an owl. It has an owl on it. That's all I'm going to say. It's only two minutes. It's kind of Pillow Fright-esque in that regard. Let uh, me let me ask you a little bit more about Pillow Fright because I'm, I'll hey, be honest. It started off with just like every fantasy I ever had. I know. It's like, yes. did you tap into yes. my like... In fact, genius here. When it started, when the Pillow Fight started happening, I saw his hands do kind of like a Mr. Burns X. Yeah, 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 yeah. I have to be careful. My wife is one of those girls, so I can't say too much. But yeah, um... Yeah, it, it was one of those shoots where no crew member complained about anything. <laughs> they would occasionally come up to me and say, thank you. <laughs> You're doing the Lord's work. <laughs> thank you. Thank well, you. it takes such an interesting and absurd turn yeah, yeah. Right. that I think that's what really caught our audience off guard. Right. Because it just starts off so titillating, and then it takes this terrific horror. Very, just like very madcap Dante right, right. just yeah. lunacy Joe Dante it's- yeah I mean yeah totally I, I think that Joe, Ta- Joe Dante has always been one of my major influences I actually told people that Gremlins was kind of an inspiration for Pillow Fright and even Get Off My Porch because mm-hmm. it's got that kind of that Dante feel just where anything can lunacy. happen right yeah. right so yeah no I think that um, Pillow Fright was a lot of fun I mean burning the pillow was fun I had one <laughs> shot obviously at doing that and we burned the wrong one. I had borrowed a pillar, pillow from one of the actresses. Oops. <laughs> and I had my pillow that I was going to burn because I didn't care. And we accidentally got them swapped because they looked the same. And I ended up torturing you, her pillow. An innocent pillow. Yeah. Man. My God. But, uh, no, I mean, that short film was made for um, Fun Size Horror, which is um, a group out of Los Angeles. And Fun Size Horror Volume 1 is out, I think, on VOD. And this one's going to be coming out, I think, pretty soon. I think they said it's going to be a – it might be Hulu or whatever – um, but uh, they approached me about doing a short film, and I, you know, went for it, and and uh, and then based it, off of that, Crypt TV wanted wanted to do one, so I did this new one. So they almost be all kind of piggyback on each other. Just. Yeah, I mean that's kind of how it has to work, because I mean, like, I, like I'm, I'm not gonna lie, I'm making this up as I go, because like I mean, <laughs> I, I, I mean, trying to be a full time filmmaker, director. You know, in the Midwest, you know, and it, I, I got to believe it's it's a little easier than it than, than it has been. You know what I'm saying? In the past, because yeah. yeah. right now, technology has gotten to the point where everyone's connected. Mm-hmm. I'm talking to people in Los Angeles every day. 
and I don't have to be there. Right. That's I don't have to be nice. stuck in traffic. I know I don't live that far from the airport, so I can hop on a plane and you know whatever. Well, there's something about the Midwest, yeah. You right. Know, just it's a little Ooh, bit and more getting laid bigger, back. getting yeah. bigger. Um, you said Dante was one of your um, inspirations, um, but like I was saying earlier, you have such a distinct different style in all of your different movies that like for example um pillow fright's a lot of fun nail biter is a very uh, there's a serious tone to yeah, it um yeah. uh the noir one is a different one than get off my lawn what are some of your other inspirations and what are some of the I, that you draw the ideas from okay well i mean i'm a big spielberg i'm a big star wars nut so like and and for some reason and Indiana Jones is my favorite movie of all time. So like a lot of my favorite movies of all time are not even horror. Right. So mm-hmm. some of that uh, Spielberg old school that a- sense a- of Amblin 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 yes. yeah. So like um, How of a Good Time is a short film that I did not that long ago. Um, actually last year with um, it had Leslie Easterbrook and did you see end up seeing that one yet? No, not yet. I'll but that's it. making the see that's making yeah, the rounds. Right. Right. And. Um, that one for me was entirely an Amblin thing because the little there's a little kid who's the main character trying to sneak into a movie and and uh, um, things happen. <laughs> I don't want to give too much away. As they do, right. as they do. Uh, but um, yeah, like I feel like I, I mean those kind of movies were the ones. I, I mean, Monster Squad were the movies that I watched a lot as a kid and growing up in the '80s and and um, you're our people, you know, just <laughs> right, right. So. Um, yeah, no, I just I'm, I'm I'm kind of like I like the little bit of old school. I don't like doing a bunch of I, and occasionally I'll do something stylistically different where I'll be a little shakier with the camera or do something. That I like it. I like things being kind of smooth and mm-hmm. where well, you can actually see what's see happening. What's right, on. Right, right, right. And, it, and you know, it's funny because you mentioned the tone of Nailbiter being more serious and Enclosure is the same way. It's very. It's not. I mean, there's. Maybe occasionally some humor, but not really. It's right. very serious. Just enough for levity. Right. So then I, I kind of go back and forth because sometimes I feel like I need I, I need to feel serious. And then sometimes I'm like, i got to be funny now. you know. And, and it just depends on kind of what mood I'm in. Because, like, for instance, Crypt, the Crypt TV short is entirely a, like a joke. It's entirely funny, and I hope it's funny. Well, <laughs> I, on, on, humor and horror they go hand in hand. Right, yeah. right, Especially right. when they work well. Right, right. So it just depends, you know, and I've got a horror comedy feature that I want to do that it's about energy drinks that I really, really <laughs> oh, want to do. Awesome. Right, and everybody I pitch it to loves it except people who are producers. <laughs> Imagine that. Because oh, I, I always I'm tell, sure. like, my wife is like, oh, you've got to make that movie. And I'm like, uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I want to, but whenever I pitch it to somebody who's got, you know, some influence... With money and stuff, they're kind of like, ah, oh, man, I don't know. That's kind of risky. That horror comedy isn't really oh, a, okay. It's a tough thing to pull off. And, well, you'd and, think with like you know what we do in the shadows doing really well. Um, yeah, right. Maybe it's they Shaun tried of the it. Dead, yeah. Things right. like that. Have you yeah. ever thought about going like the Indiegogo route or something uh, like that? I'm not. I'm, I've never been super successful with with crowdsourcing. Um, and a lot of it is because it becomes a full time job. Sure. Yeah. And I'm I've got like all these different projects I'm working on, and I can't focus just on one Indiegogo campaign. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I mean, a lot of that is just my personality not being able to focus on one one thing. <laughs> and you really have to find somebody to help you and really push it. You yeah. know. And uh, so I just don't like. I'd rather find money the old fashioned way and and try to you know find investors rather than doing the crowdsourcing but some people just nail it every time and yeah. I'm just like I can't, I just can't it's the it. young kids that have never been without this kind of connectivity right you know back, we know what it was like back in the day to actually right. do right. some real networking right. Right. work right. nowadays it's it's not simple by any means but it's just it's there yeah right and so there's no real and a different you know you don't have to pay anybody back necessarily no. with yeah. that stuff that's the thing it's like with investors you've got people breathing down your neck to get paid back and so it's 
Yeah, I mean, it's a different kind of attitude about it. Have you been putting together, like, not necessarily sizzle reels, but um, proof of concept when you go to pitch them? Or maybe, or? like, you know, put, get together a whole bunch of, like, your shorts called, like, Tales from the Ray or something. Tales from the Ray. <laughs> I like that. No, it's just, uh, it's funny because somebody, I talked to somebody on the phone who actually approached me about putting one of my new shorts in their anthology, and they, they called me on the phone, and they go, wow, you're not at all what I expected. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, we were, we've, and this person's known me for a while, but they've only talked to me on, like, you know, chat. And sure. like, wait a minute, I thought you were going to sound like Edgar Allan Poe. Who, I'm like, well, what does he sound like? Right. Really knows what he, <laughs> I, I declare. Uh, yeah, right. Well, that me? I, it's, I imagine him just being silent. <laughs> just dead stare. Dead stare. So, um, no, I, like, I, I think that, uh, I mean, as far as proof of concept, I would like to. It just, I would much rather make something self-contained. Sure. Um, you know, the the noir short that I that I did um, is something that I would like to expand. There's very few short films of mine that I want to expand because I feel like they're they get their point across and they shouldn't outlive their. Mm-hmm. And my short films have actually gotten a lot shorter, and I think a lot of that's because people's tension spans have gotten shorter. Because <laughs> literally, when I was working on this short film for Crypt TV, they were like, I mean, they wanted it to be two minutes. And I had it at like two and a half. And I had to cut another 15 seconds out of it. Wow. Trim it down or 30 seconds out of it to get it down. Because, you know, people want that instant... Uh-huh. You know, and I kind of joked about that introing the, the the short film fest, but we truly are in an ADHD universe yeah. where, and I think a lot of it comes. To, you talk cuts, you know, just in terms of editing, yeah. it's all so quick that right. older folks like us, yeah. I get lost. Really right, 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 with right, that. right. So. Well, that's I think that you know, with with enclosure, enclosure is a slow burn, which I'm hoping that that there's been a lot of slow burn horror films mm-hmm. that have come out recently mm-hmm. that have done well. So I'm hoping that that's uh, you know like. Trying to think, uh, House of the Devils. Sure, movie. Ty West. A lot of his all material. Of his, all of his movies are slow burns, right? Mm-hmm. And so, and I think that you know, if you do it right, people still follow along. You know, there's a difference between slow burn and just boring, boring. right? <laughs> you know, I can see. I mean, because that's the thing is that like I can watch an action movie that has action sequences every five minutes and be bored, bored stiff. Right. Well, then there's just there's the oversaturation of it, right. just the overkill. It's tough to find that balance, right. and I mean that's why I really think, in terms of there's just so much out there now. Right. That the good stuff will make its way to the top, right. you know, right. you're separating the wheat from the chaff, if you will. It, it, it takes time to, to you know, you, in a day, in this day and age, you really got to get out there and push yourself, you know. And oh, yeah. the great thing about you know social media is out there, and like you know, I, you know, I was thinking about all the, you know, I was, how many letters would I have had to re- write at this point, handwritten or typed letters I would have to write to get people's attention. Now I just like email them. No, yeah, <laughs> you know. Or you just throw on, it out on Twitter. On the know? facsimile machine. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. Well, it has changed even quite a bit from what it sounds like. You know, you, when did you initially, like, get your start? Well, I, Quote, unquote. I graduated from KU in 2002, and uh, obviously there was that, that, I mean, I just kept making stuff. Because my last semester at KU was, was just basically me taking, like, class. I was... T- Getting credit credit hours for just doing my own thing. Gotcha. Basically. Gotcha. Uh, independent studies, what they called it. <laughs> so, um, uh, so I didn't really stop. I just kept. I, I I think I figured out at some point in 2003 that I need to stop trying to do everything. You know, I'm like, I need an actual DP and I need an actual sound guy and I need to. You know, what I'm saying we. So we started actually getting crew because I think that if you try to do everything, and I know a lot of people early on. If you want to do that, I'm like, sure. If, if you're Robert Rodriguez, you can pull it off, but even he has hard, you know, tough yeah. time doing it sometimes. Sure. So it's like you got to find people that you really enjoy working with and bring them on board and people that you know are talented and will do their job well. And um, 
and so that's why I've worked with a lot of the same people over the years. Develop um, your own crew. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so the, a lot of people ask me why didn't why didn't you move to Los Angeles right out of, right out the gate? And I said that you know those relationships I built now are what I mean. Like I, I can keep making movies out here. And get them showing in the same places that everybody right. else. And developing your crowd. Right. Yeah. And now in today's networking age, right. man, that crowd can just, it, all right. it takes is one retweet right. or right. something like that. Right. And, and it's just, you know, like, I mean, and yeah, and not worry about getting evicted at the same time. Like, it's like, you know, it's, like, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, I, I, I talk to people who've moved out to Los Angeles and they, they're so busy trying to figure out how to keep their lights on that they forget, right. they forget about the creative process. You know, and I know that some people go out there right away and make it work. Sure, but um, I know that's few and far between. Though. Right, right. For every one success and I'm like, story, and I'm like, and I'm not. I, I guess I've never been one of those people that just wants to like work on different movies as like a grip or whatever. I'm just, I'm like, I'm going to tell my stories, and if I don't move to Los Angeles and keep doing it out here out of Kansas City, then that's the way it's going to be. Well, know? Genius mentioned it before. Kansas City is getting a really good scene yeah. for film. Yeah. I mean, we've got we've got you, we've got we just we've got Jill Six, we've got a number of people that are making a really good. I, I talked about it before on the podcast. You know, people have KC Pride for the Royals and the Chiefs. Man, I'm telling you, my KC Pride comes from just the level of talent right. from the filmmakers yeah. here. And a lot of that and is just as people just deciding to stay. You yeah. know, and I, I think that because a lot of people always ask, well, how did how did Austin become Austin? Right. Well, like because people didn't move, they, they just, stayed. They stayed in Austin. Yeah, so, they don't mind the heat. Yeah, right, right. And so you know, yeah, I feel like that's kind of the trick is to keep. Um, building crew and it's funny because I like to bring in new students from KU and you know keep because you never know which is going to be the next Patrick Ray you know just needs that little nudge right right, the next short guy with a goatee yeah (laughs) um, so yeah no I think that uh, it's just it's it's been um, it's been good so far it's tough I'm not going to make it sound like it's easy because it's not No, there are days where it's just like you know you you have to remind yourself there are things that have to kind of remind you why you're you're pushing it along. Well, they say don't do it to make money. Right. Do it because you love to do it. Right. Do it, you know, as, as long as you're making, as long as you're able to keep your yourself above water, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and so um, I think that that's kind of the thing, and I think that money will come at some point, because it's just one of those things where you just keep doing it and keep doing it, um, but you got to have momentum, you know, sure. and I think that I always tell people it's, it's really hard to make a movie, but it's really hard to keep making movies, so you just have to keep kind of going from one to the next, but so. it looks like you're having a lot of fun making movies because that having fun and putting love into it shows. Mm-hmm. Right. In, even in some of your serious stuff like uh, Nailbiter and Get Off My Lawn, all that, or Get Off My Porch and all that stuff, it's always fun. Right. It's always a fun time watching your movies. Good. Well, that's 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 good. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's good. That is good. So I, what what is the future right now for Patrick Ray? Uh, well, you know. Uh, Tales from the Ray. I, 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 well, right. I, I don't know what this company that's going to be releasing some of my short films is going to be. I mean, like I said, one of them was they put one of them in the red box, and I and they, and they put it as part of another anthology of short films. Um, uh, I've got a couple other projects I want to do. Um, one in the spring. I'm waiting for it to warm up, though. Today would have been nice to film. Oh at, no, outside. Um, but uh, I haven't. You know, obviously, I've got a couple of scripts that I'm working on. Um, one of them, I'm trying to. I'm working with Catherine McNamara on actually. And then um, one of them is obviously the, the energy drink movie, and then one <laughs> of them is Nailbiter Two. So, and you know, I wanted to get enclosure off my off my plate. Sure. And uh, so I'm hoping that that uh, that movie probably, I mean, it's probably going to be 100 percent done by March. Excellent. Nice. And, and mid March probably. I mean, right now we're just like I said, we're just doing color and and stuff like that, which is the, like the last 
the last touches. The last touch, yeah. So, um, but I'm sure there'll be something else that'll come up. <laughs> just always, it's like I think I'm done. No, I'm something done. always will there. So, um, um, but yeah, no, I've got uh, I've got a couple other short films right now that I shot last year that still aren't finished because I've just been working on the feature. So, I'm getting those finished, um, and uh, so yeah, I'm hopefully there'll be enough material to keep me going for the next couple of years. I, I, like I said, I, I wanted I want to shoot. Uh, I want to shoot their feature this year, but we'll see if it happens. It just depends on the financing and stuff like that. And well, as busy as you are, I'm glad you were able to take the time out and right. talk with us. Oh, Good I Lord, mean, man. I That's mean, uh, I, so I, if someone wants to see some of your stuff, where can we see them at? Well, right now, um, obviously, Pillow Fright you can get on, you can find on FunSizeHorror.com, and um, I think it connects with YouTube. And some of my short films are on Vimeo, and then actually I think some of them are also on Fun Size Horror. It's just like Counterparts you can watch there, a couple others, but I think a lot of those are going to be pulled because – of the DVD release, possibly. So mm-hmm. some of those, some of my short films are going to be kind of harder to find on the web because of the the DVD actual stuff physical out. media. Physical, yeah, oh my physical god, media, right? So, um, but uh, you know, like Hoot was, I think Hoot is going to be coming out pretty soon through Crypt TV. So I'll be posting all about that on on Facebook. And so if you look me up on Facebook, Patrick Ray R E A, um, I'm always updating. Um, where, like right now, I think uh, Pillow Fright's also showing at Days of the Dead Excellent. In, in Atlanta. Excellent. And then it's going to be nice. showing at uh, Horror Hound in March. Oh, very cool. So, so yeah, so like the, it, it, they get around. And then, of course, you can always buy uh, Nailbiter on DVD. Buy Nailbiter on DVD, or you could you can buy it on Blu-ray through Germany. <laughs> <laughs> Nine, yes. This is region <laughs> 2, y'all. Region right, right, 2. Right, right, right. <laughs> I, I managed to... Get the German, the Japanese, and the UK versions of the, the movie. Oh my god, you almost had the Axis right there. That I was know, frightening. I know, I know. <laughs> but the craziest thing was the Japanese cover art. Is it's, I mean, it kind of has something to do with my movie. But like, I love those international filters, man. You I'm know, like, there's that's... a giant tornado with gremlins jumping out of a tornado, and there's three actresses that aren't in my movie running from the tornado, and then there's like a fireball. I kind of want to see that movie. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, but it's funny because then on the back, it's actual shots from my from movie, movie, but then there's one frame that isn't. Like one frame of a guy that I'm like, I don't know it's, who this guy is. It's Orson Welles. Like, <laughs> random so, citizen so game. Odd. But so, doesn't that kind of speak to the stuff that we found growing up when we would discover like those old VHS covers and stuff that just blew our minds? And then, and then you, you watch it, it and then you're like, what, what is the hell? Yeah, right, exactly. It's got nothing to do with that shit. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. Right, right, Introducing right. a new generation of that. Yeah. Well, again, thank you for taking Ain't the time no to talk out with us. I'm glad we were able to. And I, like I said, um, you know, Pillow Fright got a good, strong reaction from the crowd here at Panic Film Fest. Um, this has been a blast, man. I thank appreciate you. it. And again, awesome. do you want to tell us again where we can find you at? Like, use your, your social medias? Yeah, Patrick M. Ray on Twitter and then just Patrick Ray on Facebook. You can look me up there. And Perfect. Yeah. Well, anytime you want to come on, man, promote, when, awesome. get, you know, getting uh, Nailbiter 2 going on, oh, yeah. we'll definitely do it. Awesome. It is awesome Great. talking to right. you, really, Thanks. man. Appreciate All it. All right, guys, so we're going to sign off again, but we will be back with a few more Panic-y. Q&As. Yeah. Panic. That is right, guys. We'll be back. This is Sid Haig for Nightmare Junkhead. Listen, I'll come over there and put my boot all up in your ass. Right, welcome back to Panic Fest Day Three. It's a beautiful Sunday here in downtown Armor. I'm Genius McGee, and Greg stepped out for a little bit, but that's okay because we have a substitute friend of the podcast, Dustin P. What's going on, everybody? How's it going? How you having fun so far? Oh man, loving Panic Fest. Panic Fest is awesome, isn't it? It is. All right, so we're gonna kick off the day with um, a local uh, talented artist and a good friend, Daryl Woods. Daryl, how's it going? Pretty good, man. I'm doing good. Excellent. Now, do you want to? Now, he, you work with Lucas Arts. Lucas Film, yes. Excellent. Very cool. So, before we go on, we always like to have people like promote themselves first. Mm-hmm. So, can where can we find you on the interwebs? Uh, WoodyTune.com. 
Mm-hmm. You go to Facebook and find me under Darth Artist. Uh, Daryl Woods, D-A-R-R-Y-L. Very cool, very cool, very cool. So tell us what you're doing today. I am here uh, drawing, doing a uh, live painting of Kylo Ren. Mm-hmm. We auctioned off for charity, uh, Children's Mercy Hospital and the KC Horror Club. And uh, um, it's finished. Awesome. And, uh, it's dope, too. It's yeah. a cool-looking picture, man. And, and that's a good thing, dope, right? Yeah, dope yes. is good. Dope yes. is good. <laughs> we were having a conversation earlier today, like not like these kids today, but what, what means yeah, what? Well, like, you know, I'm an old guy. You young kids got that kind of saying that cray-cray. I was like, what the hell is cray-cray? <laughs> I like the fact that he called me a young kid, which young is like young. absolutely farthest you, from the truth as can be. You're younger than me, man, so that's what happened. <laughs> so how'd you get started with Lucasfilm? Well, uh, one day I wanted to go to San Diego Comic-Con. And anyone out there who into comics and anything pop culture, please go to com- San Diego Comic-Con. It's 135,000 people, crazy people uh, into all kinds of uh, pop culture and mm-hmm. stuff. Well, one day I was looking at the website, and I was going to go anywhere. I said, and they had Lucasfilm. I uh, was hiring artists. I said, well, this is my chance. I've always been a Star Wars fan since 77 when it came out. And I put together a portfolio and uh, went out there. And you go up there to the second floor and then put your name on the list of Lucasfilm or Dark Horse or Image or Marvel, people you want to talk to, the mm-hmm. heads up. And I uh, never forget the guy called my name and got there and I opened my portfolio up and he looked at my fine art, which he didn't really care for. He said he looked like didn't look polished enough. But he turned this page in my portfolio and there's my cartoons were. Now I don't remember packing my cartoons. <laughs> I really don't. There they were. He said, oh my goodness. He said, and uh, I never forget, I'm sitting there and uh he says, hey, we can use you. I went, I almost fainted. <laughs> yeah. Like, is that easy? I, I'm, I'm working with a, a global empire movie company. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, call this person here. Uh, I forget her name, but call this person. She, 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 she's in charge of fan activities or whatever. And we put you to work. I said, okay. I went home, uh, emailed her, and um, said, yeah, Troy Alders told me about you. And uh, send me some of your stuff. I want to see it also. So I sent her some stuff. And uh I mean, I forget, it was, uh, two weeks went by, and, and this particular day, I had a hard, bad day at work. Uh, people were arguing. I had a hard day. It was, weather was bad, whatever. I came mm-hmm. home, just happened to click on my email, and uh, had Lucasfilm on there, and I clicked on what it said, and the, late, the lady said, uh, yes, your work is awesome, awesome, awesome. I went, about, <laughs> I about fainted again. Yeah. Like, wow. All, this, all the stuff they could do, they think my work is awesome, you know. So I said, yeah, we want to put you to work. Come out to Los Angeles at the celebration, and... Uh, good to go when i went out to a celebration i was treated like a king i couldn't believe it all my friends came out there i didn't know that they took me to dinner they they were uh people was getting asked my autographs and everything uh one one short story i want to tell you i could not believe it the shuttle picked me up at the airport uh-huh. took me to the hotel the hotel was like la traffic and everything it was like uh 45 minutes away so lady the shuttle was full shuttle bus was full packed i was sitting next to a soldier who hadn't seen his daughter in uh, three years, he had the wife had a baby. He hadn't seen her yet. Came from Iran, so uh, laid in back said, "Hey, anybody here for the uh, Star Wars celebration?" And everybody raised. I raised my hand. Said, "What do you do?" I said, "I'm an artist for Lucasfilm." Everybody went crazy, and the driver said, "Hey, what's going on?" I said, "This guy, an artist from Lucasfilm." Said, so let me, "Let's pull over and get his autograph." I'm going, "Wait, wait, 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 wait!" I said, "Wait, wait, wait!" This man right here, soldier, hadn't seen his daughter. He's a soldier. I, 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 I come from a military family. Mm-hmm. My father was a uh, special forces ranger, and uh, cousins were, whatever, you know. And I say, no, get this man home first. I don't, I, no, I'm nothing compared to what this man has done. He pulls the thing over anyway, but everybody saw, got some autographs. And this guy said, hey, no, that's okay. I want your autograph too. 
<laughs> I was like, okay, well, pull it over. I, yeah. uh, you know, so. Well, the, I like the fact that you do have stories like that because you're a genuine dude, and I've always said you do good, good comes to you. And mm-hmm. it seems like it's been very serendipitous for you, as in, like, you didn't know that you packed a cartoon. Yes. Um, you were having a bad day, and there's that awesome email. Um, because you do a lot of great stuff around town for, like, charities and different, like, arts uh, arts places. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, let me tell you a little story we happened to me just last night. I got home, got on my Facebook, and my friend Ty, who was a... Uh, Head of the KC Chiefs Super fans. Said, hey, Daryl, they uh, showed your artwork out there at the Super Bowl. I said, Huh? He said, The artwork you did for Eric Berry came back from cancer. They showed up on a big screen when he was giving his presentation. All the movie stars, that was wondering who did that. I'm going, You gotta be kidding me. I just, I, oh, you know, that's I, impressive. See, that's see, fantastic. See, see, stuff like that blows me away because I, I look at the fact that I started out, started from my basement. Mm-hmm. And here I am now. Also, Lucasfilm invited me and four of the five first guys to come out and walk the red carpet and see the movie for anyone. I couldn't because my mother's really, really sick. Right. And I had to take, and take care of her. But I'm going, I told my wife, I said, I started off in my basement. Here I am walking the red carpet with movie stars and mm. people seeing my stuff out there at the Super Bowl. And I'm going, I can't, I, I, it's unbelievable. That's just amazing. That, yeah, I yeah. mean, journeys like that, it's just yeah, insanely I, I, yeah, cool. But I try to just tell, just, uh, Remain grounded, and I tell people I don't really care about the fame and stuff. I want to just you give me two tables. Let me just draw for kids and people in the, in the hospitals and stuff. Make yeah. me happy. That's, that's what I want to do. You know? Yeah, and you do stuff like that all the time. Every mm-hmm. time I see you, you're like I'm doing free artwork and I'm for the yeah. kids and doing stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it just blows me away how um, humble you are, and yet you're getting invited to red carpet screenings yeah. and you're a member <laughs> of Lucas Arts and all that yeah. stuff. And you're just like I'm just a KZ boy, you know? It's just. Yeah. It, that kind of stuff really endears me towards your stuff, and I'm a fan. I know I got some of your pictures that uh-huh. I, I got from you hanging on my wall. So I uh, this got started really when I was I worked for the BNSF Railroad, and uh, one day I was driving in the locker room, and uh, I mean in the break room, the guy said, "Hey, Daryl, why don't you get on the Christmas train and drive for the kids?" I said, "What? What kids? What Christmas train?" He said, "We have a train going from here to Emporia and back, full of uh, uh, kids." Abused kids and uh, uh, kids in these shelters and the women and stuff. I said, okay. I got on there. All I started with was a small sketchbook and a leather portfolio case. I get on there, and the kids said they want Batman or Low Riders or whatever. I would quick sketch and give it to them. Well, just so happened the, the head of the railroad was on there. He, he looked, seeing how happy the kids were. So he goes, uh, hey, uh, at the end of the trip, he said, hey, here's a credit card. This guy right here, anything he wants, you give it to him. He made this kid so happy. So, like, now... Uh, I can call my the buyer of the railroad up and say, hey, meet me out at the art store. I'll go out there and just, just load stuff up. This is this is how I'm able to draw and give stuff away for free and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, the BNSF, BNSF Railroad is my biggest benefactor. They are my coworkers, my bosses, everybody that's been, been behind me. I can I go, I go to work from 3 to 11. I can be in an event for kids and draw and call them and say, hey, I'll be a little late. I'll be there about 7. Like, no problem, Daryl. You're, you're on the clock at 3. No problem. Come in when you want to. That's and I, awesome. I can I can sit there and draw freely without being pressured to go to work mm-hmm. and draw for the kids and 
they I can't say enough about the BNSF Railroad. They they they've been my biggest uh, uh, sponsors. That's fantastic, yeah. man. And you know you got mad love in Kansas City. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, seriously, everybody's yeah. like, oh, that's Daryl. Oh yeah, yeah that's yeah. our good. Everybody, yeah, yeah. you have a, such a distinct style, and the fact that, like I said earlier, that you're so like grounded. You know, you're just like you're just a, just a regular dude, but and you're doing all these amazing things for uh, not only for charity but for other stuff like that. That's yeah. a fantastic thing, and I'm really glad I met you, and I'm really glad. We can work thank, together. Thank you. I'm glad I met you guys. You know? So let's talk a little bit about this. Is a totally off art. Okay. Speaking of Lucas, what is your favorite Star Wars movie? Empire Strikes Back. Oh, why? There's why? a lot of people that have that. that right, same right. It's just, it's just, it's, it's, it's so deep in the story, and everything comes together. And you meet new people. You know, just every scene works. I tell people all the time, a good movie to me was it was where every scene clicks. Like the example was uh, Aliens, uh, The Fugitive, uh-huh. Ten Commandments, my favorite movie, Ten Commandments. Yeah. Every single scene, every single actor, every single thing just movie rolls along. You you forget how long the movie is, or whatever, whatever. You know, Aliens is the movie where. First time ever I went to, to the see Aliens. It was sold out. At the end of the movie, everybody stood up and gave a, a stand ovation. I, I've never, never, never seen that before. So Empire Strikes Back is where every single scene, every every moment, everything just is meaningful to, to, the, to the plot of the movie. Mm-hmm. And it's visually beautiful. Yes, yes. It's probably yes, one of the, yes. out of the whole pantheon of it, I think that's probably yes. one of the most beautifully shot yes. and image-wise. I, lo- I love the walkers. That's where I said, I'm going to go home and draw that. Man. <laughs> that's, that's, who thought of the, who thought of walking? The right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Do you got any questions? No, I just, you know, from coming from an artist standpoint, you know, what was that going back to your, your trip on the railroad? What, what, what type of feeling does that really give you to see, you know, these kids that go through, you know, these troubled situations and whatnot, what type of fulfillment? I mean, cause I, there are very few people in this life that actually get that level of, I guess gratification from doing what they love to do, but also being able to bring you know joy to somebody else that might be in a you know a troubled yeah. environment. What, f- what does that do for the you? The fact that you made these kids smile. Um, that's a hard question. To answer. It, it, you can't really answer this. It's uh, like I'm doing something with my talent to make the people happy. I I personally don't think I. How can I put it? To, well, to me, it comes so simple. And to see people and kids uh, going crazy for it. One thing, guys, I want to tell you, and I hope I don't shed no tears with this, but uh, uh, I was sitting a drawing one day at the hospital, Children's Hospital, and a lady was standing back looking at me, smiling, and she had a kind of strange look on her face. She comes to me and said, hey, uh, Mr. Woods, how you doing? I said, I'm doing so. You remember me? I said, I think I do remember that. She said, well, you a Spider-Man for my little boy. She said, I want to tell you something. My, my little boy died two days ago. He had your picture in his hand. He would not turn that picture loose. See, I'm going... He, he he slept with that picture. He I'm going, and I'm thinking I must have a heck of an impact. What I'm doing is something so simple. Your your children are I've seen so much suffering over there. Kids come down or whatever, and um, had a little girl come down. She had I counted thirteen tubes hooked up to her of these machines. She said, "Sir, I want to tell you I'm really happy you're here, and I'm honored. And uh, uh, I've been." Last time you was here, I couldn't come down, but I want to. I want to say I want to meet you and you this and that. I'm going. I'm. I'm this and that. As a young lady, you know, you, you, oh, the rule is you're not supposed to say anything about the condition. Or you're not supposed to ask somebody or anything like that. And I want to say so bad. You are the brave one. You. I don't know what you have or going on, but I'm nothing compared to what you're going through. You haven't even started living life yet. So, for the, for the kids to tell me that, for tell me that a child died and lost something's hand, you know, it just, just. Yeah. 
gets you right there. I, That's I, I, incredible. I, 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 can't, I can't really dis- describe your question. Right. It just makes me feel like I'm really doing something. Yeah. That you know, that you found your purpose in life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. something like that. Yeah, and right. that's something you should be like the fact that you made such a good impact on all these people. Yeah. You know, and some of the stuff I can draw so easy, but to have such a major impact, I'm going. What am I? I'm, I'm, I'm doing. I'm, you know. Hey, you're, <laughs> you're using your powers for good. Exactly, and, that, and that's yeah. that's the thing. So you'd be man. the light side of the force. There yeah, you yeah, go. Yeah, there yeah. you go. But I, I like I like drawing the, the dark side. So because there's mystery there. Yeah, it's so much fun to draw the bad guys. Yeah, like, yeah. anything I you know. Yeah. But I try not to be a bad guy. But it's fun drawing them. You know. <laughs> I think that's a I think that's a fantastic place. All right. So once again. Um, uh, you, and the fact of the matter that you volunteered to do something for the horror club, then we can mm-hmm. give it to charity. That's a, another I'll, awesome I'll, thing, man. I'll, I'll always, I always uh, volunteer. I tell people all the time out there, you want me to come draw for your charity? Come draw for anything. I'll come draw. T- the tip money goes towards uh, your your cause or whatever, you know, or, or I, I can give to my cause or whatever you want to do, you know. But I, just, I, I, I always tell people, I just want to draw. Give me two tables. Line them kids up or whatever. I just want to draw. Yeah. You can keep the money. You can. I just want to draw. Yeah. You know. So, Daryl, coming up, I've got a question for you. With 2016 kind of being in, in its infancy, you have a lot of things on your schedule, like Comic-Con and oh, yeah. Kinsley yeah, Comic-Con. Coming, what's up? coming up next? Yeah, I have to uh, remain close to home because of my mom's condition. Okay. But uh, I've got, next I've got uh, EmpireCon. I'm doing a live painting of, uh, it's, a, it's a con, kind of devoted to, to the women's side of the comic, uh-huh. which, which I think okay. is, a, is an incredible idea. Awesome. Right. Idea. But uh, I'm drawing a live painting of uh, Batman and uh, uh, Supergirl uh, to donate to the... To the people there. Nice. And uh, then I've got um, Casey Crypticon. Mm-hmm. I've got um, Planetcon. Uh, I'm doing a gigantic tattoo convention downtown. That's in May. May the week before. Uh, That's uh, so cool. The week before Planetcon, uh, I'm doing a Kansas um, City Comic Con mm-hmm. and a bunch of other little charities for children with uh, brain tumors or heart conditions and stuff like that. I'm also over at the Children's Mercy Hospital uh, uh, twice a month drawing for the kids over there. So if people want to get a hold of you, look at your artwork and maybe help donate to the cause, mm-hmm. where can they go and do that if you want to repeat your social media stuff? Uh, um, WoodyToon at WoodyToon.com uh, WoodyToon is W-O-O-D-Y-T-O-O-N dot com and I'll go to uh, my Facebook page. Uh, I'll gladly, instead of you just giving me money, I'll gladly take commissions. I'll draw you some stuff and you give me the money for it. It go, goes towards charity. You know? Fantastic. I need to list my charities on my Facebook. And people ask me all the time, because I give the Wounded Warriors, that's on hold right now because of the conflict they've had. Wounded right. Warriors, uh, Chimbers Hospital, Hope House, and other uh, abuse centers for children and women. Yeah. Nerds, you heard it first, man. Go support this fantastic man, his fantastic cause, and his fantastic art. Daryl, dude, it was a Pleasure talking to you. Absolute honor. Dude, you're welcome. Anytime open invite, man. Thank you very much. Thank you, huh? All right, we're going to take a break and we'll be back with more of day three from Panic Fest live in downtown Armor. Take it easy, nerds. (laughs) 